Hey, this is Joey Mills with GeekDad.com and Pop Goes the Culture podcast, and we've got another special bonus interview episode for you guys. Uh, We try to crank these out every so often, and this week we are talking with B.J. Mendelson, who is a writer, uh, speaker, comic book writer now. Uh, We are specifically talking about his new comic, uh, or new-ish comic, I guess, uh, Vengeance Nevada, and we touch on a few other things as well, but that's kind of the bulk of the conversation. Um, there's a special offer here for one of BJ's books at the end of the episode, so uh, if you like what you hear and you're interested, then certainly stick around to hear how you can get a hold of uh, his first book, Social Media is Bullshit. Uh, don't text him any of, uh, any of your dick pics. You'll understand why I have to throw that caveat in uh, right off the bat. And another thing, another disclaimer, I should probably just record this so I don't have to say it every time we do these, but uh, you know, we're working to bring you interviews with folks from all over the U.S., all over the world, um, and so you can set these things up and you can be as practiced and prepared as possible, but when you hit that go button, there are occasions when you get some minor technical hiccups, and there are a couple of those, but uh, it's nothing major, shouldn't be too distracting. Um, like I said, we haven't pulled off an interview yet where something didn't go wrong where there a Skype disconnect or you know a minor audio glitch or, or whatever. So I uh, hope you enjoy uh, my conversation with BJ Mendelson. All right. So uh, I'm here with uh, BJ Mendelson. And can of give us a little bit, for those who aren't maybe aren't familiar with you, kind of give us a little bit of your backstory and a little bit of your background, uh, a little bit about yourself uh, maybe growing up and, and where you're at today. Sure. So uh, I was born and raised in upstate New York. And uh, let's see, I've been writing shitty web comics since about 2002. Uh, and somehow I found a way to fail upwards uh, <laughs> in terms of like working with companies like Sprint and Ogilvy and Mather and Sears uh, to do like online marketing for them. So that led to one thing. And uh, that brought me to putting out a book called Social Media is Bullshit, which has uh, become a cult classic. Right. And uh, the comics have brought me to you know, writing Vengeance Nevada, which is now out on Comicsology. Right. Now, yours is kind of a unique story. Kind of, You've alluded to it a little bit, but I mean, for, you skipped a lot of good stuff in there because there's a lot of good things. Um, tell us I a little bit about... What, I, I, mean, I never yeah. know what to include, you know? Like, yeah, no, I know. Uh, so, for example, like I, I was an attempted stand-up comedian, uh, and I was doing it as a team, so I wasn't able to uh, actually perform in bars. Like, I had to rent them out. Right. And so that led me to figuring out the internet and how to market myself, and then I uh, did shows up and down the East Coast that way when I was 18, 19 years old. So I was a stand-up comedian at one point. Uh, I was writing comics. Uh, I, I got banned from my college radio station. Like I, I have like all these weird, crazy stories. I never know which one to pick from. Right. No, that's why. I, I mean, just kind of doing a little bit of research on the, uh, you know, getting ready for this. And there are so many great stories from, like you said, being banned from your college radio station to speaking at the UN to yes, that's I mean, right. just just a little bit of everything. It's if a person was to uh, looking for. Uh, for a movie, you know, storyline, they could just pick any one or any multiples of the stories that you've got and and have a have a movie. 
See, I'm glad, I'm glad he's had the, the positive perspective on that because I'm always I'm always cynical. So <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not living it, so I can say that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I think a reporter's going to look at me like, this guy's fucking crazy. You know? <laughs> like, well, that's the best stories to tell. Nobody wants to see the, the boring story. So. This is true. So tell us a little bit about how you know, you've done the web comics thing, but how did you get started in full you know, book format, you know, what we consider a comic, you know, as far as, uh, as that goes? Yeah, so I, I'm convinced that if you do something, you have, to be, you have to be incredibly good at it. Right. And so for me, I didn't feel up until about a year ago that my stuff was good enough to put out in comic form. Uh, so what I did was I took like two years and I basically read everything there was to read about like the history of comics and how to write a comic and how to self-publish a comic. And then I, in that time, I was also working with an artist named Peter Chaparsky. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's try this. So let's see if this sucks. And, and uh, we were just throwing things at the wall. And so finally, Avengers Nevada started to like really gel together. And then I was like, all right, this is, it took two years, but I think this is finally something that we can put out and sell to people. What is it about that book that, that kind of got you started with that story? Was it the character? Was it the story? What, what was kind of the, that got the wheels turning for you with, uh, with Vengeance in Nevada? So it's, it came out of two places. The first is that, uh, you know, I started reading comics in the early 90s. So we're talking like Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy right. and Venom and Ghost Rider and The Punisher and uh, you know, anti-heroes were in, right. but a lot of them were really boring. So Ghost Rider, for example, would, would always like, he looked cool, but he never did anything. Yeah. You know, like in the Infinity Gauntlet, Ghost Rider is nowhere to be found. Like, he's not there. Yeah. Uh, because frankly, they didn't know what to do with him, right? Right. So I was like, okay, uh, could we make Ghost Rider interesting? And so that was a challenge. And so uh, Vengeance Nevada kind of came out of taking the lead character and answering that question and saying, all right, well, uh, we're going to try to make something like Ghost Rider fun and interesting and someone that, that you can emotionally connect with. So that was the first thing. And the second, what, second thing was I'm a big fan of the Venture Brothers. And uh, I that like, I'll take between seasons. Right. And uh, again, because I'm old, uh, for my younger younger friends, it's like Rick and Morty. Right. It's like the, you know, the, wait, the wait between seasons for Rick and Morty is outrageous sometimes. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, uh, I, I can just write this at this point. You know, like there's been enough seasons where I could probably write an episode of the Venture Brothers with my eyes closed. But uh, if I'm going to do that, well, I want to fix some of the problems I think that the show has. And one of them is that uh, the women in the show are are not well written. Right. And so I said, okay, we're going to gender flip the Venture Brothers uh, so that it's an almost exclusively female cast that's running around and has like this deep story but also a lot of comedy and drama and, uh, and so those two things really kind of came together to make vengeance of other very good yeah you can definitely see uh, especially the ghostwriter influence uh in that first uh, yeah the first title in the first issue of the title so um well, i did not want to run from it you know yeah absolutely uh, talking a little bit about the book the way that color is used in that first issue is is great because it's very very black and white and it's very almost almost frank miller sin city-esque in that it, you know when there's color it's it grabs your attention because of the lack of it elsewhere uh, obviously i'm sure that was a 
uh, an intentional choice, but what was kind of the thought process as far as the look goes? Because when you mentioned, you know, kind of growing up with the 90s books, a lot of those were um, artist-driven titles. Like you said, Ghost Rider, there wasn't much story there. It just looked really good. And there's a lot of that was going on in the 90s. So kind of talk to us a little bit about, you know, you've got the idea with the story, how you kind of marry the the artistic style with the story you're telling. So uh, the, the funny thing about Sin City is I wasn't even thinking of it. Right. I was thinking more of uh, The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Uh, because there's there's a couple of sequences coming up in like issue two that are full color. Okay. Um, just based on where she is at that point in the story. So uh, that's that's kind of why we, we did that, where we're like, there are things that don't belong in Kristen's world. And we wanted to highlight that using color so that when Kristen goes into the other world, you, you kind of see you know, this full, this crazy full color comic. Right. Tell us a little bit how your uh, relationship, your collaboration with Peter got started. I know you mentioned you've been working with him for a couple of years and kind of how, what's kind of the process as far as how you guys work together? Uh, it's all through email uh, because Peter's first language is not English. Right. Uh, he's based over in Poland. So there, there's a lot of like uh, Google Translate involved. Uh, but we work, we work pretty well because what I do is I write pretty extensive full scripts and in the scripts I'll say, uh, here are the links to like everything I'm referencing. So for example, the cover for issue two is, uh, a CTA train from Chicago that's in the middle of the Nevada desert. And so I was able to send him links to both of those things. I said, you know, this is, this is kind of what we're going for. Right. Uh, but that said, you know, I also give him a lot of room to work where once he's got the script, I'm hands off. So whatever he hands to me is, is what is what you see is the final product in terms of the art. Mm-hmm. How did you get hooked up with Peter? Cause if he's in Poland and you're in New York, how does, how did that collaboration <laughs> come together? Uh, so I, I make no I secret of this. I'm a fan of the superheroine and peril um, genre. And so Peter uh, got his start on DeviantArt uh, drawing pictures like that. And so that, that's how I found him was I was like, hey, um, I've got this whole cast of characters that I use for these stupid stories that I write. Uh, could you draw a couple of them? And when he sent me the finished product, I was like, wow, uh, your stuff is really good. We should probably actually try something instead of like porn. <laughs> There's not much money in that unless you're no. yeah, not in drawing, at least. Uh, this is kind of a odd question, but it's always fascinating me because they, whoever they are, say that comics are in a lot of ways kind of a fantasy or wish fulfillment, you know, with Batman, it's that, you know, revenge fantasy with it's, you know, Superman, Captain America, it's that, you know, strong, moral, ethical fantasy. Um, What fantasies of yours or what kind of wish fulfillment of yours are you putting into this story? So I've always struggled with that. Uh, I've heard that and I've seen that a lot, but... Is that bullshit as well? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I was an English professor, I'd probably write a book about it, you know. Uh, but yeah, so like, if you look at Batman, Batman is just Sherlock Holmes. You know, he's, he's just dressed right. differently. Yeah. So to me, it's not so much wish for moment as it's these very human things 
that we've found in stories throughout history uh, that just sort of get recycled. So I, I don't quite know if it's wish fulfillment as much as it's there's something hardwired within us to to come to these stories. More the universality of the character. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that's really what pulls people in, as opposed to saying, you know, I want to let one wear Clethar uh, and beat the crap out of people. You know, like it's, <laughs> I don't think most people have that. Uh, hang on one second. I'm getting like a crazy echo. Okay. Yeah, so go I'm going to take off my headphones. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. That's better. Yeah. I was getting like this weird echo effect going. Uh, can you still hear me? I can. I'm kind of getting a weird chirping echo thing going on now. So. Oh, okay, wait. Did the chirping It went away. I don't know if it was just feedback or, or what. <laughs> yes, but it's not, it's not been my night. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Believe so, me, when we got started doing this so whole podcast thing, we struggled. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not easy. I think people don't realize how much hard a podcast is. Yeah, the talking part's easy. It's getting all the technology to marry up and work correctly. <laughs> That's true. Uh, where? Okay, wait. So I was talking about. You're talking about. You don't think that Batman is so much wish fulfillment as it is more of just kind of the the universal characteristics, of, you know, of Batman that appeal to to the readers. Yeah, there's a really boring book. By Joseph Campbell, uh, called the Hero of a Thousand Faces. Yeah, it's not boring. I've got it. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah, I've I've actually okay. got. I've gone through and I've bookmarked. I've flagged with ripped up post-it notes at each heading, you know, at each section because that's the, that. that comparative mythology absolutely fascinates me. So, okay, so that you're so you the won't first bore, person. yeah, so you won't bore me with Joseph Campbell. Talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you know, what he talks about with the monomyth is is how I look at comic books. I, I, so I don't see them as wish for moment. It's just as these universal stories that, that are attracted to us. Very good. Uh, let's see. What drove the decision to go with a digital release as opposed to finding a printer or finding a publisher to print? So coming out of the, the tech world, uh, there's this thing called a minimum viable product. Right. And so for people that don't know what that means, it's basically you put out your product uh, in its best possible form, but you don't do much else. You you kind of want to see how people react and play with it and, and what they say, because then you can go and make tweaks and release a better version. Right. And so that was sort of the approach with Vengeance Nevada, where I was like, let's just put it out and see what happens. And that's why if you go to vengeancenevada.com, oh, it'll take you to Comixology, and, and you'll see that there's really no description because I didn't want to promise too much or tell people like this whole ever thing that would just be completely different later. And, and so that's the reason why we went with digital uh, is because it allowed me to experiment with that a little bit and see what happens and if I need to make any major changes before it goes into print. And so now... I have a self-help comic book coming out next month. Right. And I'm going to do that in print based on what I learned from releasing Vengeance of Honor digitally. Very good. Okay. Uh, with the tools for just about anyone to create content, whether it's comics or a book or a podcast or music, videos, art, whatever, and get that content in front of people, 
Um, what is it that you feel about the book, about Vengeance Nevada, distinguishes itself, and how do you, you know, in a world of social media being bullshit, how do you kind of be heard above the noise and really kind of distinguish yourself and your title and your work? Sure. So uh, let me break it up down a little bit. Um, what I think makes Vengeance Nevada unique is that it doesn't hold your hand. You have to go back and read it a couple of times yeah. just to catch everything. Absolutely. And, and um, I can tell you for a fact, like, there's stuff that's in there. Like, I gave away the ending of the book in the first issue, and a lot of people don't realize that. So it's it's one of the things where it's intensely layered uh, to reward you to, to re go back and read it, as opposed to something like uh, like Avengers number one that just came out where there's a lot of hand-holding there's right. a lot of like dialogue that needs to be there to explain hey tony was uh an ai up until recently you know captain america was a nazi and thor is unworthy and like there's just a lot of explanation right and, and to me this is more in the vein of something like star wars where they drop you right into the film and you don't know anything about the empire other than they're evil you know, you're just following Luke Skywalker's story and the rest of it's just sort of this background that you can dig into if you want to, but it's not necessary. It's just there to reward you if you want to. Right. And so that that's really what I think is, is what makes Vengeance Down Valley attractive. It's it's sort of like a comic uh, that's more something you would see in the 70s and 80s right? than you would see today with, with the decompressed storytelling format. So, so that's sort of the first thing. Uh, the second thing in terms of like how it stands out and how I market it is that you have to me, it's all about word of mouth. Yeah. Um, I always tell people that the Bible is the great word of mouth story. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like that's how it was a thing. And so uh, we had presidential candidates in American history that in, in the late 1860s and uh, in 1860s, they're not allowed to say they were running for president. You know, people had to go out and do the promotion for them. And right. so that's how Abraham Lincoln ran for president is that there was no campaign. Uh, it was all the people working for him that was doing the marketing. And so to me, it, that still works because I, you know, I'm very big into evolutionary biology and the way people are wired. And so we're wired to share interesting things. And so if you give people something that's truly interesting and, and you empower them to talk about that, they will. And that's offline. Right. That's the funny thing. You know, is that 97% of word of mouth marketing occurs offline. And so that's really where I do most of my work. Yeah, no, we've, we've seen the same thing with the, with this podcast as, we, as we've got it, gotten it started. It's uh, grown beyond our expectations a lot uh, by word of mouth. And to your point earlier, absolutely. This book is, whether it's the chronology or the, you know, the way you're telling the story, yeah, it took me a couple of reads to make sure I felt like I feel confident and comfortable going into an interview to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so when you say you gave away the ending, so the, the everything in the apartment is the end of the story, I'm assuming. Is that right? Uh, no, it's a little it's a little further in. No, it's further in? Okay, I'll have to go yeah, back and check it again. But the ending of the comic is in there. And I wanted to do that because, to me, Kristen's story is more interesting than anything else. Right. So I'd rather not have to worry about coming up. Oh, let me give you an example. I'm a big fan of the boys, mm -hmm. uh, but I hate the ending. 
and I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Right. Um, Go ahead but and spoil a... away. We spoil everything on the okay. show. <laughs> All right. So everybody dies except Huey. Right. Uh, because Butcher goes crazy in, in the last story arc. It just kills everybody. And to me, that was a cop-out. And, and you see a lot of fiction writers do that where they don't have an ending for their story. So they just kill everyone off. Right. And I, I'd rather just say, here's the ending. Um, but I, I think what's more interesting is how we get there than how it actually ends. Yeah. No, I agree. I like a circular story as, you know, better than, like you said, I, I, you know, being a Stephen King fan, <laughs> it's hard to see, read the ending of some of his stories. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would much prefer to have know that there's a, an actual ending in sight uh, before I begin. Uh, so let me ask you, what has been kind of your favorite thing about this comic so far? Whether it's something you've written, something that was drawn that kind of blew you away, like, oh, I didn't, didn't think of that, but that's perfect for this piece, or uh, an interaction you've had, kind of what's been your favorite part of this so far? Peter's artwork. Uh, I think that's what makes the comic. You know, I, I, I think his art is so good that it's almost, it's almost disarming. Because it doesn't look like what you would see at like Marvel or DC. It's got this own funky quality to it. Yeah. And I think then it's, it's, it's just pops. Like it's a lot of the panels in the book. Like I said, you know, when I sent him the script, that was all, that was the end of my contribution. You know, like he sent me pretty much whatever he wanted to send me. And so there's these just great panels of like death and uh, creeping across the page and the Robert Frost poem. And that, that was all him that uh, that added that. So to me, being able to have such a great collaborator is really what, what made all the difference to this. Very good. So you've done a few of these interviews. Um, what is the yeah. question that no one has asked you that you're just like, man, I wish somebody would just ask me this? Or what is the question that I haven't asked that you really wish that I would ask? If, you know, what, would, what would be the, the one thing that you're just dying to answer if somebody would just ask the right question? I think that uh, when people see that it's an all-female cast, what worries me is that people will say that it, that's a reaction to uh, sort of just where comics are today on the internet. Right. It's, it, that's really not the case with this book. Um, it's, it's more that growing up, almost all of my friends were women. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> there just wasn't a lot of guys I either either. And, and I write based on who, what I know and who I know. Right. And so it's easier for me to write women than it is the right guys. And so uh, that's why we have an almost exclusively female cast. You know, it's, it's not out of some social mandate. It was just, this is what I feel comfortable writing. Right or wrong, do you feel like by not being a part of the big two, that that kind of gives you a little bit more freedom or a little bit more leeway so, or a buffer so that you don't catch some of that flack that like Marvel's hook over diversity recently? Yeah, I think I think that with, with indie comics, there's so many of them that caters to so many needs right. that you don't need to worry about you know these 52 comics, and if they're not serving you, then you're going to get rightfully upset. Uh, with indie comics, there's something for everybody. So, so I do think I'm a little immune to you know, what you know what you see going on with Marvel and DC, but I'm definitely sensitive to it. You know, like I don't I don't mean to want to sound like I'm dismissing some of those criticisms because right. a lot of those criticisms are valid. But at the same time, you know, I, I think being an indie comic lets you do your own thing, which is kind of refreshing. 
When can we expect issue number two? Because it's been a while since the first one came yes. out. Uh, so I'm counting, uh, I don't know how if a lot of people know this, but Comixology doesn't tell you when they're releasing your book. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of hard to market to that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's sort of what happened. So like, I uploaded Avengers Nevada in December. Right. And I wanted it to sit there. I didn't want them to put it out. What I didn't know was that once it's in the system, they sort of do their own thing and you get like a random email that says, hey, next week your book is out. And like that's, that's all the heads up that you get, uh, which, which caused me some trouble because there's sites like Newsarama that will only cover books, you know, if it's just before it comes out. Right. And so I wasn't able to get that for Benjamin Savada. And so I'm acting as if issue one came out in February. Okay. And so I'm keeping it on a quarterly schedule. So the next book will come out in August uh, for the next quarter. And so that's how Peter and I are sort of going to operate until um, both of our schedules clear up a bit. Okay. Uh, Vengeance Nevada is not meant to be an ongoing series. There's, there's only going to be at most 23, 24 issues. Yeah. Uh, and then that's sort of going to be it. So we'll work out trying to get more of them out and on a better schedule. Uh, but for right now, it's going to be quarterly. So August. Very good. You said you've got another book. Is it coming out? Is it this month or next month? <laughs> well, uh, it was submitted book. to Comixology. Uh, so they do You're have it. at their mercy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's completely on their whim. Um, I, I found from other creators that it usually takes about a month. Okay. So I suspect that the self-help comic will be out sometime late in June, early July. And where can people find your your books? Them, you know, the actual books. The social media is bullshit, and and you have another one too, as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, I have privacy yes. and how we get it back. That's what I was thinking of. Yes, uh, I, I'm giving away social media is bullshit for free as a PDF. Okay, where can they find that at? So all people have to do is text me. Okay, and, and this is my actual number. Are you sure uh, you want to give that out? Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. so far. So far, people have been okay about it. You know, like, um, I did another interview, and I said, oh, the interviewer was like, did you, have you gotten any dick pics? <laughs> and I said no. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting pictures of Richard Nixon. <laughs> that's so great. that's really funny to me. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, at <laughs> some right. point, you know, at some point, I won't be able to give out my number. But uh, for right now, it's okay. So the number is 646-331. 8341. And all you have to do is text me the word sheetrock, which is spelled exactly as it sounds like uh -huh. sheet of paper, uh, piece of rock. And I will send you a free PDF copy of social media is bullshit. And if you want the other one, both of them are on Amazon. The privacy book is 10 bucks. So I recommend the audio edition. Okay. Uh, it was narrated by the guy who read the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he did the narration for my book. He's very funny, and uh, I highly recommend you check it out. Very good. Uh, why sheetrock? Where, where, oh, uh, why is that so your safe word? It was. It's a friend of mine's safe word. Okay. Uh, and that's all I'm allowed to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> a good friend. Yes, it's or, a very, it's or a not very so good, good friend. friend 
As long as I don't say who she is, she she will be fine. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us tonight. And uh, like I said, we will get this out on Monday, May the... I don't even know what day that is. May the 14th. There it is. So well, we'll, cool. we'll post this out then, and like I said, we'll share it around, and uh, and hopefully that will uh, attract some more eyes to your work. Because, yeah, I loved the book. I thought it was great. Uh, like I said, so it, it's one of those where I had to stop and like, okay, what did I just read? Go back and read it again. Like, okay, I think I'm getting there. Then read it another time. It's like, yeah, I think I got it now. I think I got it. So, so I'm, it, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, that's exactly how we built it. That's great. Well, you, it worked with me. I can't speak for anybody else, but uh, I loved it. So, <laughs> thank you so much. I can't wait for you to see issue too. I, me too. I can't wait to have it. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yep, thank you. Oh, bye. And there you have uh, my conversation with B.J. Mendelson. Uh, great guy, lots of fun to talk to. Hope to talk to him again, uh, either when issue two is out or uh, perhaps when his self-help uh, comic gets out through Comixology. Um, again, take advantage of the offer he gave. You can uh, send him a text and pick up a free copy. Of, it's an electronic copy, a PDF of Social Media's Bullshit. And again, don't send him your dick pics unless they happen to be of like Richard Nixon or maybe Dick Tracy or something. But... Uh, anyhow, hope you enjoyed, and we will catch you tomorrow, actually, on our uh, Tuesday show from the home studio where we're talking home entertainment, video games, what have you. Uh, if we don't catch you tomorrow, we'll certainly get to you uh, Wednesday. We'll be live at Vintage Stock doing our recording from 10 a.m. till around noon. So if you're in the area and you have the time, swing on by, say hello, maybe get on the podcast. Uh, Thursday, we'll again, we'll be at the Alamo Draft House. We'll be talking Deadpool. It's Deadpool week. And then Saturday, we'll be back in the home studio. So maybe, hopefully, we'll be uh, sharing our thoughts on Deadpool 2 as well. So we will talk to you all later. Thank you.